Oh, that's good. Amen. Turning your Bibles to John chapter 16, please. While you're turning there, we'll see what some people on the street have to say as to their thoughts about the Holy Spirit. Who or what is the Holy Spirit is being asked them. What do you think is the Holy Spirit? It'd be an interesting question. Holy Spirit. You know, I've heard of, of course, I've heard the Spirit, the, the concept of Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, part of. Uh, the Spirit of God. That's a good question. That's a good question. You got me on that one. The Holy Spirit is the third part of the Trinity, specifically. Um, it dwells inside almost like a conscience uh, in, within you. I think it's just something that's inside of all of us. Um, I think it's your true nature. He dwells within you if you are a true Christian. He looks after you and he dwells within your soul. Heard about us, but I kind of like don't, you know, not really know about what's because that word means. I've heard of it, but I mean, you know, you're putting me on the hot seat right now. It's a guide that God gives us to help guide us in our life and to do as we should. You know, these are kind of personal questions, too. I really don't feel like answering while I'm getting a pedicure. I'm sorry. I know what it is, but I don't want to give you the, uh, the Bible school answer. The Spirit. God's sent him as a comforter here on this earth to comfort those that love him and who have accepted him. I think it's... You get the basic idea. It's a lot of opinions. I don't know. Just people who are good and in life. People who are good are Holy Spirit. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think that is? Well, something that the Lord sends down to, like, check things out and make sure <laughs> no problems are going on. Is the Holy Spirit checking on everybody? I'm the wrong person to ask, probably. Is he checking on you when you don't do your homework? Yeah. It's in all of us, but in our purity. Maybe, Maybe when we're... When we're younger in our purest, purest form without all the baggage on top. Man, that's a good one. <laughs> He's someone that is a part of God. It is God's personality and, you know, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Hmm. I guess they're related. In what way? You have any idea? Cousins. Cousins. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Definitely undefinable, that's for sure. Yeah, because what does it do? Uh, that's undefinable as well. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Hopefully a good thing. For sure. So hopefully after today, if someone walks up to you on the street with a camera, you won't be so taken by surprise. Who is the Holy Spirit? 1 John 5, 7 has this to say about God, or as we would say, the Godhead. There are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. Now we know the Son is the Word made flesh, so the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Um, and here's how I see that written out. We have God, the Father. Go back to the left. God, the Word. Back to the left. 
Start over again. God, the Holy Spirit. One God, but three witnesses. It's what it says. There are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Let us pray. Father, I pray that you would enable us to declare truth concerning your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We preached on God for like a solid year. Uh, theology, the attributes of God. And you can't preach on God very long without bumping into Jesus. We just kept bumping into Him all over the Bible. He's all over the place because He is God. So then we preached on Jesus in real time for another year, pretty much most of last year. And we're in the middle of a series on the Holy Spirit, and we're not going to be able to do it for a whole year because there's not that much material about Him. But the point is, He is God. So it's all been about God. And so we're looking at this witness of God, the Holy Spirit. Today we're going to talk about the place or the purpose or the position of the Holy Spirit in the earth. Our text today is Jesus speaking from John 16, verses 12 through 14. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Keep that in mind, because we're going to see him in the future in the book of Acts sharing some things with the truth. The Holy Spirit is sharing them that the disciples could not have handled at this point. Like Gentiles are going to become believers and they're not going to keep the law and all that other stuff. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. Can we say all truth? truth. Now, there are some people that assume that once you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you instantly have all truth. Who's heard that preached? The truth is, He will guide us into all truth. It's a continuation. And I don't know about you, but I don't know anybody that knows all the truth other than the Holy Spirit. That's why we must have a relationship with Him. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will tell you things to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take of what is Mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit is all about our relationship with Jesus, making sure we get to know Jesus. In some verses, He's called the Spirit of Christ. Uh, Jesus Christ means Jesus the Anointed One. It literally means He's the Messiah. If anybody tells you Jesus never said He was a Messiah, that person's a moron. I don't care if He's on more TV channels than anybody declaring stuff. He's a moron. He's the Christ. It means He's the Messiah. He is. But it also means the Anointed One. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit because He was the Messiah. Jesus said, He told them in another place, He says the Holy Spirit dwells with you that He will be in you. Somebody's cell phone is looking for a signal. If you don't mind turning it off, that would be great. Oh, but I have it on silent. Yeah, but it still looks for signals and does funny things. All right. Behave myself. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's review some things we shared week before last. The Holy Spirit is not an it. I mean, it's real simple. Jesus called him he. Uh, You could call the baptism of the Holy Spirit it, but don't get confused and experience a spiritual experience with the person or the reality or the witness of the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call him. He is alive and well and in the earth. So he's not an it, um, and he is God. Um, He is personal. Um, We can look at Scriptures and prove that the Holy Spirit has a mind. Who knows the mind of the Spirit? The verse asks. Uh, A person has a mind. He has a will. The Bible says the Spirit yearns jealously within us. He desires to present to the Father a bride that's pure. His job is to bring purity to our lives. So he has desire. He has a will. It is the will of God. And he has emotion. 
person, you, you're a person, you have a mind, you have a will, you have emotion. Same thing with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has joy. He can be grieved. We'll look at a verse this morning. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit so he can feel. And yet he is God. This aspect of having mind to me speaks of God's omniscience. He's all-knowing. Of having will speaks as if of his omnipotent. He has all power or he's sovereign. Now him having emotion, um, omnipresence is the other aspect of God. doesn't exactly fit into that, but I still relate to it because I can experience the presence of God. God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. And yet his presence can be manifested. God is in us. He's in me. If you're born again, he is in you. That's his inner presence. But there's still the aspect of his manifest presence. And that's that that uh, reality of the presence of God, who is the Holy Spirit, uh, where we experience Him. So He is a person, He is personal, and He is God. We saw the Holy Spirit as another helper. The first helper is Jesus. He is Emmanuel, God with us. If Jesus is God with us, who is the Holy Spirit? God with us. Uh, the Greek word used where we see the word helper or comforter in your Bible and speaking of the Holy Spirit is the word parakletos or parakletos. Para means to be beside. You have a parasite or a parachute, something that's beside something. You want a parachute if you're in an airplane, you don't ever want a parasite. Um, there are ministries that help the church, like Focus on the Families, a parachurch ministry. A Christian radio station is a parachurch ministry. The Holy Spirit is our paraclete. He is the one who's been called to be beside us, to help us. So He is with us. He is God with us. He's another helper. Jesus was the first one, and He's, he's another one. He will help us to know more about Jesus. Anytime the Holy Spirit is in operation and he is speaking, it will eventually result in a greater understanding and appreciation for Jesus. Some of my questions, in fact, most of my questions, can be questions about how or what or why or where. And the Holy Spirit seems to always answer them as though I was asking who. (laughs) Because his job is to reveal Jesus. To reveal Jesus. Jesus. When I um, had a miserable failure for a church and we closed it officially, I was crushed and the Holy Spirit comforted me. And for about a year when I come to church, I just cry my eyes out because it was just so painful. And uh, family members were kind of hard on me too because I had left their favorite denomination and Anyway, it was very humiliating, and yet the Holy Spirit was there to comfort me. But he went beyond just making me feel better. He began to reveal Jesus to me in ways I did not know, did not know him of that. Um, My ministry publicly was over, but I still had a private ministry to God in prayer, right? I began to see Jesus as having that. I read a book by Roxanne Brandt called Ministering to the Lord. Who's ever read that book? It's a great book about... Uh, ministering to the Lord in worship and being a Mary and not a Martha. And, and I was a heavy on the Martha side. Um, but I began to devote myself to those things that were more precious, began to have a ministry to the Lord and began to grow spiritually. I, uh, my public ministry was over, but I still had a family as a husband and father. And I began to understand that Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit began to help me understand, Jesus Christ did not minister publicly till he was 30. What in the world was he doing for 30 years. He was at home with his family. Tradition says Joseph died somewhere on during Christ's life, and so Jesus had to step up to the plate. The Scriptures say Jesus had three brothers and at least two sisters. So Mary needed lots of help. Now there's one big denomination that says Mary never had any more children, and that those weren't his brothers and sisters, They were his cousins. 
But the fact is, the book of Matthew that records the, the angel visiting Joseph, you know, he was freaking out. His girlfriend is pregnant, and he didn't do anything about that, to cause that scenario, and she's claiming an angel visited her. What's he to believe? Well, the same angel visited him and convinced him of the truth. And the Bible says he did not know her till after Jesus was born. So that means Mary and Joseph had sex. Now, why I got into that, I don't know. But the point is, I began to understand Jesus as a family man, even though he never married and had his own kids. If he's to be tempted in all points like as we are, Jesus, you never had kids. Well, he, he had a hand in dealing with them. And he was successful because after his ascension and he sent back the Holy Spirit, the church was born. His mother was in the upper room. Two of his brothers became leaders in the church. They wrote books in the Bible. One of them was the chief apostle in the church in Jerusalem. And he wasn't even one of the twelve. Well, he had more time with Jesus than anybody. So I began to realize, hey, these young ones I got around my table are real important. So the Holy Spirit began to reveal Jesus to me in ways that helped me because I needed to know that. So he's all about revealing more about Jesus. And we also see through the descriptions of, of the Holy Spirit in John 14, John 15, and John 16 when Jesus speaks of him in uh, descriptive terms. He says that he teaches, he reminds, he will testify or bear witness. He will guide, guide into all truth. He can hear, he can speak. He foretells and He reveals. So these are aspects on the purpose and person and position and place of the Holy Spirit. Now let's look at the Holy Spirit in action. Here's, we can see the book of Acts is often called the Acts of the Apostles, but it can more appropriately be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. You can see Him working throughout that book. And in some places, He actually literally did, uh, you don't need help. It just clearly says the Holy Spirit did this. Here's one example. In Acts 2, he filled the disciples with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So who spoke in other tongues? They did. But the Holy Spirit enabled them. So let's all say enabling. So the Holy Spirit enables us to do impossible things. And this still happens in our day. Uh, in Acts 4, they'd been threatened with persecution if they didn't stop this preaching the resurrection of Jesus business. And it says they began to pray. And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So the church at this time was 5,000 people. So all 5,000 people were filled with the Holy Spirit, including the ones that were filled in Acts 2. They got refilled. They all were filled. We say all? All. all. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. So here the Holy Spirit is empowering. Can we say empowering? Empowering, empowering them to, to be bold when under a threat. You know, sometimes the attack of the devil is only a threat of an attack. Sometimes the attack is the threat. And it's nothing more than that. Sometimes it is, it is a real deal too. So, In Acts 9, it says the churches throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified and were walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. And they just come through an intense season of persecution which resulted in Saul having a radical conversion. Lord, we need more conversions like that. Amen? Amen? And the church was comforted by the Holy Spirit. And I know in that comfort, he's bringing them a greater knowledge of Jesus. In Acts 13, 52, it says, The disciples, they'd been ran out of one town, kicked the dust off their feet like Jesus told them to, said they were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. So, uh, that, second, that third passage in Acts 9, to me, speaks of encouragement. So we see enabling, empowering, encouraging, the comfort. And here we see enduring. Uh, joy of the Lord is our strength. We can go, anything, go through anything as long as the Lord gives us joy to help us. Amen? So endurance. And finally, Acts 15, it's uh, James, the brother of Jesus, um, settles the matter on whether or not Gentile believers had to become Jews. And all the men in the house say, thank God for the Holy Spirit. 
<laughs> it's a very painful thing for a man to go through what you would have to go through to become Jewish if you weren't circumcised already as a little guy. Very painful. And James said this, that it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. And what did the Holy Spirit want them to do as Gentiles? Abstain from fornication. That's sex with anybody you're not married to. And the Bible's form of marriage is between a man and a woman. Can I hear an amen? All right. Um, abstain from idolatry. That is anything that you put in the place of God. It can be Buddha. It can be the cowboys. Whatever takes God's place. God believes He's God and He wants to be God in your life. And then abstain from things strangled and from blood. No greater burden. I'm very concerned in this hour when we are seeing things broadcast in the airwaves and in, in the media in the name of Christ under the guise of revelation of the Holy Spirit that will put people under bondage to the law again. If you don't eat pork, it's really better for you not to. It really is. But it has nothing to do with the state of your eternal soul. Amen? And I won't get into any more like that, but if you are interested, maybe you've getting, been getting rattled by some of these things. Maybe I need to keep, keep the law. There's a sermon I preached last year called Jesus Simplifies. Fill out a form. It'll be there next week for you. For a dollar. And if you don't have a dollar, it's free because nobody checks. What dollar did this CD go with? This on an honor system. We want the Word of God to go out freely. We actually found out when we did the dollar thing, more CD requests came in. So, something about America. If it's free, it's no good. So, we put a dollar price on it. So, the Holy Spirit is in action throughout the book of Acts. And here's four, five passages where He is named. There's another place where He's named that I didn't list where a man named Ananias and Sapphira made a public commitment to sell a piece of property and give all the money to the church to help because they were in hard times. And they sold their property and didn't give all the money. But they told the apostles, this is all the money. And Peter said, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And they both came to an early death like that day. Meditating on that scripture, meditating on the Holy Spirit, I came to this understanding that the apostles did have this advantage. And yet, I don't know that it's an advantage because it, it was a struggle. They knew Jesus personally. Did they not? When he left, they missed him. You know, at a funeral, you grieve the passing of someone, do you not? But you know in heaven you'll see them again. So what you're missing is the relationship. The intimacy that you don't have anymore with that person. Looking forward to the future. The intimacy is over, right? Well, they lost that with Jesus. But Jesus said, hey, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. He's another comforter. I'm sending someone to take my place. So they related to the Holy Spirit much more than just to an experience. They related to Him like they related to Jesus. And although Ananias and Sapphira did not say, Holy Spirit, I'm lying to you. They just lied to the apostles. The apostles believed the Holy Spirit was sitting there with them. Helping them lead and guide the, the affairs of the church. Wow, that's heavy. Could that happen again? I don't know. Was that unique for their area, for, for just their time in history? Because the church was young and fragile and... And God wanted to get lying out of the church? I don't know. I know this. Jesus started the church the way He wanted it. And I believe when He's coming back, He's coming back for a church that is the same church He wanted. So let's not be lying to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in the ministry of Peter. Oh, yeah, I did have that there. I'm sorry. 
uh, Peter began to declare, we are witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. He's here hauled before authorities, and He's declaring the truth. Luke 12, 12, and Mark 13, 11, Jesus told the disciples that you guys are going to haul, be hauled before court. You're going to be hauled to court before judges. Come under unjust charges, but don't be afraid about what you're going to say. Because the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance exactly what you need to say. And throughout Acts, you see this happening over and over again. And these disciples stand up and boldly declare some of the most amazing things in the Bible. While they're under pressure, they speak with clarity, intelligence, inspiration and revelation and boldness. How do they do that? Because the Holy Spirit's doing exactly what Jesus said in Luke 12, 12 and Mark 13, 11 said He would do. And who would do it in our day? I've experienced this. Um, not, never been hauled to court yet, but at a pizza's place on South Padre Island during vacation last year, about 11 o'clock at night, got in to a debate with an atheist named Jesse from San Antonio. I mean, he is bashing Jesus. He is bashing Christianity. And I just had this peace. It's not me. My wife can tell you, I'm a hothead. It was fun. For two hours, I argued with the guy. Never lost my temper. By the end of the conversation, he admitted to me that Jesus was one of his heroes. And then he finally made the big admission. His mama named him Jesus. And he had become so anti-Christ, he was going by Jesse. I said, you need to go by your name, Jesus. Anyway. All right. Didn't want to get into that. But the point is, that was a Holy Spirit in operation. There have been times the Lord has led me to go knocking door to door with my guitar, telling people about Jesus. It is fun. There's a cell phone still on. All right. When it rings, we'll know who it was. All right. In Acts 8, the city of Samaria, hundreds of people had been converted and were baptized in the name of the Lord. They not yet received the Holy Spirit. Peter came down with John, began laying hands on these new believers, and it says they received the Holy Spirit. So Peter had a ministry that was very much all about the Holy Spirit. Uh, while he's preaching to the first Gentiles, the Holy Spirit falls on those who hear the word, and they begin to speak in tongues and magnify God while they're hearing the Word. Uh, Peter, in his first letter, talks about those who preach the Gospel by the enabling of the Holy Spirit. When speaking of the Scriptures, he said in 2 Peter 1.21, Prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. We say moved. Have you ever been moved <laughs> Ladies, have you ever been moved to buy something? Guys, have you ever been moved to do something? Well, that's called inspiration. And we want our inspiration to be of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we're moved by things that aren't the Holy Spirit. Uh, commercials you see on TV, that's all an effort to move you to make a decision because they want you to make a purchase or make a decision. Well, the Scriptures, we believe, were written in the natural words of the person doing the writing as they're inspired to write by the Holy Spirit. So it wasn't like automatic writing, you know. No, it, and it wasn't automatons. Thou saith the Lord, here comes Jesus. No, it was, it's very natural, very real. If you hear some guy prophesying, Yea, thou saith God. He's just being religious. Maybe the Lord moved him to do that, to get a point across. The point is, you don't have to do that. You can be yourself. Won't the Holy Spirit make me weird? No. The Holy Spirit inspires us. Some people act weird because we are weird already. He will take your personality and amplify it for His purposes. When we get to go to a football game, see all the people in the crowd, 
Does football make them weird? No. It just brings the weirdness out. Holy Spirit in the life of Paul. Remember, he uh, he was called Saul and eventually changed his name. Um, Persecuting the church and Jesus appeared to him, blinded him, and brought him to an end of himself. And he goes to a house to, you know, he can't see what's he going to do. So for three days he's praying and searching his mind. Obviously, as a Pharisee, he's memorized the first five books of the Bible. Where did I go wrong? Um, You know, I was on a fast track here and suddenly things have stopped. And Ananias was sent to him, one of the church leaders, and laid hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So during those three days, he'd become a full-blown believer, ready to receive the Holy Spirit. And so he, too, became a minister who was, had a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And he wound up at a church in a town called Antioch. And one day, while they're ministering to the Lord and fasting, Acts 13.2 says, The Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And verse 4 says, so, in being sent, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there. And for the rest of the book of Acts, it's all about what Paul is doing and how the Holy Spirit's leading him and using him to do great things for God. Look, look at what the Holy Spirit says. Separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work. We all say work. Being spiritual doesn't mean you're never going to have to work again. It's blood, sweat, and tears. But hallelujah, you're doing the will of God and there's a joy there to help you. Oh, but I know someone that the Holy Spirit led them into the wilderness and to stay there and do nothing. Well, it very well could be, but I don't think it's going to be for the rest of the person's life. Monasteries and nunneries have no effect on the world. There may be a season the Lord calls you to prepare for a calling, but it's all about being with the people. Can we say be with the people? It's all, all about it. So uh, also notice, separate to me Paul and Barnabas for the work to which I have called them. Can we say called? That is in past tense, is it not? So the calling had already happened. Had it not? He didn't say, send, separate to me Paul and Barnabas and send them to Seleucia. No, he separate them for the work to which I have called them. So first comes the calling, then comes the sending. And sometimes there's a time period between the two. Some of us went, I'm one, before I was sent. I had the calling <laughs> to preach, but I wasn't getting any invitation. So I went and made myself a place and invited people to come and watch me burn. The church was the, the, that church was the Alan Lattice show. It was a lot of work. First comes the calling, later comes the sending. Between the two is called preparation. Preparation. Right after I got out of Bible school, my brother-in-law sent me to see a brother that he said, this man has prophetic gifts. He paints paintings on, in baptistry scenes around this, in East Texas, baptistries, and those little churches have scenes painted behind them. You ever seen that? This brother had a ministry of doing that. And some of his paintings had flowers in them that only grow in the Holy Land. And he'd never been there. So he, he, was, he, he could see things. And so um, I took him. We had a nice conversation. He says, uh, can we pray? And, and so in, in, in the uh, season of ministry there, he says, I see you with books all around you. Like, oh, man, you're right on. I just graduated from Bible school, got my Bachelor's of Arts in Theology degree, changed campuses so it could be an accredited degree, you know. And uh, he says, no, this isn't the past. This is the future. Boy, this man's like in his 80s. You have a whole lot more to learn. (laughs) So I went home thinking, well, I got, you know, I got some books to read, but the preparing really didn't begin until after I closed that church. All right, I was already working for a church. Knew I was called. Went to Bible school and still working for the church. And 
wanted to do something, and the only way you could leave that church with a blessing was to start a church. So I wanted my blessing. So I got one and went and did what I said I was going to do. And then after closing the church, those four years of just crying and boohooing and and seeking God, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And here's the books that I believe the old man saw. They were my prayer journals. I wouldn't take nothing. My kids will inherit my prayer journals one day. I wouldn't take nothing for these books. From um, January of 87 to the end of 92, I'd already been a pastor here a year, the Lord just inspired me to write things. They were all scriptural things. But things I needed to learn to deal, I'd studied Genesis, from Genesis to, I think, Second Kings, studied the subject of self-will. The, the assignment the Holy Spirit gave me was read verse by verse, looking for the manifestation of self-will. And saying it comes up pretty quick. It's there in chapter 3 of Genesis. <laughs> and see all the crap it brings into people's lives. And by Second Kings, the, the Lord had pretty much showed me the self-will in my life, and my wife could show you some more. So the Holy Spirit prepares us. And, and then during that preparation process, I got involved in children's ministry. Remember, I realized Jesus also must have ministered to kids because look how his brothers turned out. And so I got involved in children's ministry, and then that led me to help the children's ministry here in this town. We had a children's cell on Wednesday nights. And eventually I began to pastor so there was a calling, but there wasn't a sending. But between the two, there was a preparing. And in that preparing, there was a sending. The Lord snuck up on me because I was never going to try that again, ever. It was too painful. So they were sent out. So in this room, I believe, are lots of people who are called to do things beyond the walls of this place, beyond the borders of this county. You are called to go. And I just encourage you, don't go before the Holy Spirit sends you. Make sure you're being sent. Make sure the Lord's confirming your calling. Because it is painful. But you know what? <laughs> I believe we learn from our mistakes. But why reinvent the wheel? You know, why? Just, you know, learn from the mistakes of others. That's the way to do it. And as he's going, the Holy Spirit's directing them. Here in Acts 16, they're forbidden to go to a place. Later, the Holy Spirit sent Thomas to Asia. He established seven churches in India that are still there. Do you know that? Seven local churches. Thomas, they're, they're kind of dead. They need a revival. But they're still there in the middle of that nation. But for Saul or Paul and Barnabas, that wasn't the Holy Spirit's will for them. And here he's warning Paul that he's going to Jerusalem and problems are waiting on him there. Well, shouldn't he have uh, obeyed the Holy Spirit and not gone? Well, some people say that. But Paul had a calling, remember? And if persecution's coming, it'd be nice to know about it in advance, right? So he had a calling. He's fulfilling that calling. And in Acts 16, they're forbidden to go somewhere. And there's no scripture proof the Holy Spirit ever forbid, forbade Paul from going to Jerusalem. Because there he was arrested and his life was never the same. In his teaching, he told the leaders of the church in Ephesus, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. Paul would go to a church, establish, go to a city, establish a church that had never existed before. And to me, that's a true work of an apostle. All right? Stay there for a season, a year or more, then leave. Then come back and appoint elders. Watchman Nee wrote an excellent book called The Normal Christian Church. He said, what did those churches do? Paul left them with nobody in charge. And then he'd come back later and appoint elders. Well, after him being gone for a season, it was obvious who was in charge. When he came back, he just... Recognize those who were, you know, the, the leaders in the group and appoint them. And here he said, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers or elders or bishops or whatever you would want to call it. 
In Romans 5, he says, Hope does not disappoint, but the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. He recognized the Holy Spirit is one who reveals to us the love of God. And that we can abound in hope, Romans 15, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And 1 Corinthians 2, he says, These things we also speak not in words with man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So I hope you can see that the early church had a relationship with the Holy Spirit that recognized His witness in the earth. Do you see that? What about us? Well, speaking of the Holy Spirit, we can all receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathed on His disciples and told them to receive the Holy Spirit. Was He speaking of the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the person of the Holy Spirit? Yes. (laughs) I think you missed it. When Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit, was He talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the person of the Holy Spirit? Yes. We can all benefit from a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, Jesus said the Holy Spirit would give us power and we would be witnesses. If you're going to be a witness, you need some power, do you not? Because we live in a hostile culture. More, It's amazing to me how the name of Jesus has become so offensive. Oh, you can talk about Buddha and Muhammad or God all you want, but just don't bring up Jesus. Yet when you're cursing, Jesus Christ just seems to get something done. Bill Cosby said, whereas Buddha doesn't. Well, because it's blasphemous. The fruit of the Spirit. Man, talk about beneficial. Love, joy, peace. In the Holy Spirit. Whoa, oh, 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 yeah. Those things are good for your relationships, good for your health, good for your career, good for your ministry, good for your family. All the spouses said amen. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. I studied several translations from on that verse and it all, has a, it all gives the interpretation of the meaning the Holy Spirit is to benefit others. The Holy Spirit in my life should benefit others. Benefit or profit of all. We can all fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Paul had this prayer that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Can we say communion? To commune with someone, that is an intimate thing. Um, the Lord's table we celebrated today is called communion. It's, it's an intimate thing where we realize the preciousness of His body and blood. The complete Jewish Bible says that, that that verse could be translated as the grace of the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Rach HaKadosh be with you all. That's Hebrew for Holy Spirit. Ruach is spirit, meaning the breath of God. The message Bible, I love this. This prayer is there in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit, be with you, be with all of you. Be with y'all. Koinonia is a word used there for intimate friendship, or communion or fellowship. It means fellowship, association, community, joint participation, intimacy, sharing. It's a wonderful word that is unique to the Christian faith that we have koinonia. There's no better term that you can coin than koinonia to describe God's will for us and our relationships with one another and our families and with one another as brothers and sisters. And we can have that kind of relationship with the Holy Spirit. And finally, we can each cause grief to the Holy Spirit. Uh Uh-oh. Look at this. Do not grieve. We say, do not grieve. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The New Living Translation says, do not bring sorrow 
to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. The Message Bible says, Don't grieve God. Don't break His heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for Himself. The Good News Bible says, Do not make God's Holy Spirit sad. The Greek word used there for grieve is a word to make sorrowful, to affect with sadness, to cause grief, to throw into sorrow, to grieve, to offend, to make one uneasy. Now, when you think of grieving, um, when you see this verse, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, you think it means do not be bad. Who thinks that? You know, live right. But it's deeper than that. When we grieve the passing of someone, I said this earlier, we know as believers we're going to see them again, right? So we're not grieving them as much as we're grieving the relationship we no longer have with them. The loss of intimacy makes us sad. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not avoid an intimate relationship with Him. He has been sent here to conform us to the image of Jesus. But we avoid Him when He leads us to pray and we do something else. We're neglecting an opportunity to grow spiritually in a relationship with Him. Do you see that? the little lamp. We need to stay plugged in if we want power. Stay connected. Relationship with the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. The Amplified says, do not suppress or subdue the Holy Spirit. The Basic Bible says, do not put out the light of the Spirit. Or do not stifle the Spirit, says the New Living. I think we grieve and quench the Holy Spirit when we do not recognize Him and give Him place in our lives so that He can more effectively fulfill His purpose in our lives. The biblical protocol for prayer is we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now that is all God, but that is the avenues through which He relates to us. Those, the witnesses in heaven. That's how we relate to Him. God gave His Son so that we could be redeemed. But no one comes to the Father. No one benefits from what the Son has done if the Spirit, the Bible says, doesn't draw them. So, in prayer, just be sensitive. Is the Lord speaking to me right now? That's the Holy Spirit. He convicts us of sin, so just I just encourage you, every day, take a few minutes and find somewhere by yourself And say, God, forgive me of my sins. And just sit there and say, can you bring them to my remembrance so I can ask for your forgiveness? And he will help you with that and forgive you. And then say, God, speak to me today and pick up your Bible and begin to read. And you will be amazed at how you begin to learn. And when you get hauled into court or get an opportunity to witness, you'll be amazed at the truth that will come out of your mouth because He will bring to your remembrance the things He has taught you. But if He's not been able to teach you anything, what's He going to bring to your remembrance? Nothing, right? So this word is just to encourage you today. Finally, this is my final closing, we can all be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's say filled. Filled with the Holy Spirit. This can happen when hands are laid on us and we're asking. This can happen at home when we're praying and reading the Bible. This can happen when we're worshiping alone or listening to radio, Christian music, or in church. Holy Spirit can just begin to fill us, overflowing. and can result in all kinds of amazing things happening 
in your life, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5 exhorts us, Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The Holy Spirit just puts a song in your soul, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. These are things that can result from being filled with the Holy Spirit. What are you being filled with? The world, the flesh, the devil. Drugs or other things. In 2003, the U.S. National Survey of Drug Use and Health discovered that the number of people misusing prescription drugs had reached 6.3 million, more than twice the number of people who abuse or who, who use cocaine. In May of 06, the, Feb, the Federal Substance Abuse and Mental Health Service Administration reported that overdoses of prescription and over-the-counter drugs accounted for about one-quarter of the 1.3 million drug-related emergency room admissions in 2004. I just want to say this. You may be hooked on drugs because a doctor made a mistake and prescribed something to you, and now you're hooked. I want to encourage you to get free, whatever you've got to do to get free. In the process, begin asking the Holy Spirit to fill you. In Africa, they used to sing a song, Fool me up, fool me up. Fool me up, fool me up. I believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. Fool me up. Fool me up, fool me up. To be filled with the Holy Spirit means we allow Him to control every area of our lives. How much of you does the Holy Spirit have? may say, preacher, I've been saved for 51 years. I already have the Holy Spirit. How dare you tell me I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Church began with people being saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. It can happen simultaneously. But being filled with the Holy Spirit can happen more than once. We see it in Acts 2 and Acts 5, the second time. Be filled. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit, I believe, is what the Scriptures mean. But I already have the Holy Spirit. How can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, here's an object lesson. This glass has Alka-Seltzer in it. Does it not? This is Alka-Seltzer. Glass has Alka-Seltzer. Just like... Believers have the Holy Spirit. But this glass is filled with Alka-Seltzer. You see that? Both glasses have Alka-Seltzer in them. But only one is being filled with Alka-Seltzer. So it is possible to have the Holy Spirit in you, but not be filled. In other words, open all the chambers, tear off all your wrappers, all your religious wrapping, and say, Holy Spirit, have all of me. I have the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to argue with that. 
Not going to get me into that debate. Whether or not you have the Holy Spirit, not going to do that. That's not my job. But I have a question. How much of you does the Holy Spirit have? Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, Father God, (laughs) Holy Spirit, fill us with your power, with your love, with your truth, with you, Lord. May the inner Spirit of God that is in us begin to fill us in Jesus' Amen. All right, I want to do something real simple. The Holy Spirit is real and alive and can have volume and can be so quiet as well. So I'm going to play you another video, a video of invitation of the Holy Spirit. And as it's playing, I just say, let the song on the video become your song. And just close your eyes or look at the video. And I just encourage you just as a sign of hunger, right there in your chair, in Acts 2 they were sitting when they received. So you can receive sitting. It's right there. Say, Lord, fill me. Can we say that? Lord, fill me. Fill me up. All right. Watch this and make this your prayer. Just just keep your hands up. Focusing on the Lord. Fill me, Lord. Maybe you've been spirit-filled a million times, but you need a fresh filling. He can do it. strength to make grow 
and being filled with the Holy Spirit begin this simply? Yes. Jesus said, if your child asks you for bread, would you give him a stone? If he asks you for an egg, would you give him a snake? If he asks for fish, would you give him a scorpion? Of course not. He then went on to say, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those that ask Him. I want to ask you to encourage you to ask the Father every day to fill you with the Holy Spirit. We'll try to do that. We'll try to do that. It's simple. It's that simple. Let me tell you how simple it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I was filled with the Holy Spirit the first time because I didn't want to get a whooping. I'm not kidding. I was that kind of kid. I needed some fire to move me forward. I had so much unbelief. It's that simple. Lord, help our unbelief. May we believe. And as we're filled with your Spirit, may healings happen. May miracles, signs, and wonders begin to follow us. May your Word come from our lips. And may the calling that we're running from begin to be fulfilled so that if a day of sinning is coming, we'll be ready. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Today is uh, the last day at this season in their life for Jamie and Maritz to worship with us. They are moving back to Germany. And we want to lay hands on them and pray for them as they go. And if you need prayer for anything in your life, we want to pray for you as well. Maybe you say, hey, I need some more of what, what we were just doing. Well, we're gonna, Joe's going to play some more music. And can we just show our appreciation to our technicians? And you can just stay there in your seat with your hands raised. Just begin to experience more and more of the Holy Spirit. But I just want to ask the, worst, the prayer team to come forward and line across the front, if you would. And be available to pray for anyone about any of their needs, whether it's being healed, filled with the Spirit, a decision, or whatever. And Jamie and Maritz, if you guys could just stand. And uh, those of you that want to pray for them, go and pray for them. In Jesus' name. Prayer team, come forward. And as Joe's playing us great worship music, we're here to minister to anyone that would like to receive more ministry. Receive the Holy Spirit there in your seat as well. We can lay hands on you up here. If you must go, be free to go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May He lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace, filling you to overflowing every day. Fill us up, Lord.